Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is February the 27th, 2024. It has been 3,683 days since Russia started covert military operations in Crimea, 10 years and 7 days since the start of the Russia-Ukraine war, and 2 years and 4 days since Russia expanded its war aggression. Today's podcast looks at events that happened on Monday and Tuesday morning. During the podcast, you will find the Russia-Ukraine war map helpful to visualize the areas discussed. A link is in the podcast description. There are map updates today. The Russia-Ukraine war report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense, the General Staff of the Forces of Ukraine Morning Reports, Operational Commands North, South and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian male bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission – the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment. 1. We maintain there is a high risk of a large-scale missile attack targeting civilians and civilian infrastructure through March the 1st due to a Russian A-50UA wax being shot down on February the 23rd. 2. We maintain the risk that Russia will recognize the breakaway Moldovan Republic of Transnistria or declare it intends to annex the region is low. 3. The United States has ended financial and military aid to Ukraine, unless there is an unforeseen event that changes congressional leadership before the 2024 elections. 4. Ukraine's acute shortage of ammunition and air defense missiles continues to impact the battlefield, with Kyiv and Washington warning that the situation will become catastrophic by April. 5. We maintain, due to necessity, Ukraine has shifted to a Fabian strategy to wear down Russian combat power while conserving resources. 6. The ending of US aid for Ukraine is motivating at least five European nations to consider expanding, restarting or starting nuclear weapons programs. 7. It is extremely unlikely that Russia will achieve its main operational goal of capturing the remaining areas of the Luhansk and Donetsk oblasts and the areas east of the Oskil River in northern Kharkiv oblast by March the 13th. 8. We assess that Russian-aligned assets have co-opted the ongoing Polish border blockade, which has become an open act of hybrid warfare against Ukraine. 9. Our assessment that Russia is systematically executing Ukrainian prisoners of war, a grave breach of the Geneva Conventions, is almost certainly accurate. 10. In our assessment, the Kremlin is preparing to complete the transformation of the governmental structure into a dictatorship, 
as it starts to build its first Stalin-style gulag. 11. We maintain that while the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, the condition is more serious than what the International Atomic Energy Agency is reporting. We begin today's war report in the Kupiansk area of operation, or EO, in Kharkiv Oblast. The Russian Ministry of Defense, Armored, and the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, GSAFU, reported heavy fighting in the area of Sinkivka. This is consistent with Russian tactics of the last five months, using fresh Storm-Z and Storm-V penal units to attack Ukrainian positions, and then restoring combat potential. Ukrainian forces repelled one Russian attack east of Ivanivka and another near Tabayevka. The Kharkiv suburb of Pesochin was hit by two S-300 anti-aircraft missiles used for a ground attack, destroying grain storage facilities and agricultural equipment. This is the fourth purposeful attack on Ukrainian grain storage and processing sites in a week, and the second one in Kharkiv. In the Kremenaya of Luhansk oblast, Russian forces continued their attacks east and northeast of Terny without success. Let's talk about the Donbass, starting in northeast Donetsk oblast. In the Bakhmutyo, Russian forces are concentrating their combat strength in the direction of Ivanivske, with the operational objective of capturing Chasivyar. Intense fighting continued northeast and on the eastern edge of the settlement. The spokesperson for Operational Command East, Ilya Yevlash, said that Russia would not find the path to Chasivyar and quote, easy walk, adding that the settlement's defense is being fortified by engineering work. In the Klishivka area, positional fighting continued northwest and east of Klishivka and near Andreevka. Armored reported fighting in the area of Kurdyumivka, but did not specify the direction. In the Turetsk New York AO, Armored continues to report there is fighting in the area of Pivnichne and Shumy on the edge of occupied Horlivka. In southwest Donetsk Oblast, Ukrainian forces remain unable to establish new defensive lines in the Avdivka AO. To the north of occupied Avdivka, Armored reported fighting near Novobakhmutivka. Russian forces have advanced toward Berdeche after passing through Stepove. Four months of heavy fighting made the village indefensive. The map has been adjusted. Russian forces also advanced toward Orlivka and Tonenke after the capture of Lastochkine and capturing Severne, attacking from the east. The spokesperson for the Tavria Operational Strategic Group, Dmitro Lechovy, confirmed the withdrawals. Quote, Units of the armed forces of Ukraine made a withdrawal from the village of Lastochkine in order to organize a defense along the lines of the settlements of Orlivka, Tonenke, Berdichi, and prevent the enemy from advancing further. Unquote. The situation in Orlivka and Tonenke is reported to be very difficult. Publicly available satellite images suggest that Ukrainian pre engineered defenses are inadequate. The positions are not interconnected by trenches, making movement between the hard points extremely difficult and creating indefensible gaps. We maintain that the more likely defensive line extends on a curved line from Novobakhmutivka to Maximilianivka. There's a map in our situation report, and information on how to become a subscriber is in the podcast description.
Southwest of occupied Avdiivka, fighting continued in the eastern part of Pervomaiske and near Nevelske, with no change in the situation. Pictures and videos showed a fire at a fuel depot, reportedly in occupied Makivka. NASA Fire Information for Resource Management Systems, also known as FIRMS, showed significant thermal anomalies at the Chervonohvardiska oil depot. In the Marienka AO, Russian forces continued to attack Krasnohorivka from the south, with support from the aerospace forces and artillery strikes. NASA firms showed fires north, east and south of the settlement, suggesting it is under heavy bombardment. The Ukrainian 46th Air Mobile Brigade reported that the situation was tense, and Russian forces had started to take its offensive to capture the settlement, quote, seriously. Fighting continued near Georgievka and in Pobeda, which remains contested. A United States-provided M1A1 Abrams main battle tank was destroyed in the northern part of the village. In the Vogladario, heavy fighting on the outskirts of Novomikhailivka continued, with no change in the situation. In occupied Donetsk oblast, Russia has continued construction of the Mariupol to Crimea railroad line, starting construction near Mariupol. Russia intends to connect to the existing railroad tracks at Kalchik, eventually completing the connection between Russia, Mariupol and Crimea. Fighting continued in Zaporizhia oblast, and there continues to be no indication Russia is setting conditions for a larger offensive. In the Huleipolayo, Armod reported fighting in the areas of Marfopil, which is likely the same area that GSAFU reported fighting in a more vague report on February the 25th. In the Urihivayo, fighting was less intense south and west of Robotene after a series of failed Russian attacks. Russia is increasing its use of the Chinese-made Desert Cross 1003 ATVs in the region due to its speed. Previously, Russian forces were using the vehicles in the Kherson region. Russian forces destroyed the Ukrainian Nesem's air defense battery in Malishevka, northwest of the city of Zaporizhia. After reviewing the video, our analysts concluded the strike was on the critical air defense system and was not a decoy. After being hit by Smerch rockets, the battery clearly showed air defense missiles cooking off. We'll link to the video in our situation report. All eyes apparently will be on Moldova today, as rumors about Transnistria continue to swirl. Ukraine claimed that Russian drones flew over Moldovan airspace in the direction of Khmelnytsky without a response from Ukraine's neighbor. The Ministry of Defense of Moldova denied the report, saying, quote, Not a single drone launched by the Russian Federation flew over the airspace of the Republic of Moldova. Unquote. Multiple unnamed sources in the illegitimate breakaway Republic of Transnistria are reporting that the Congress of Deputies will not request to be annexed by the Russian Federation. According to Russian state media source TASS, the Foreign Ministry of the Russian Federation also indicated that annexation was likely not on the table. Our analysts did an in-depth analysis of Transnistria in our February 23rd and 24th special report, Two Years of War. I highlighted that in yesterday's podcast, and that report is a free download. Transnistria announced it would start a 90-day military drill beginning on March 1st and said that any interested resident could participate. 
Kyiv, Chisinau and Bucharest have not expressed any concern over the announcement, which is believed to be a part of a Kremlin-orchestrated psychological operation. The border situation with Poland has not improved as protests expand. Farmers, backed by pro-Russian members of the Polish Confederate Party, carried out their threat to block the Frankfurt am Oder border crossing with Germany, creating massive traffic jams on the A12 highway. Polish truck drivers announced they would join the farm protests on March 1. On January 17, motor carriers agreed to end their protests through February, but would restart if Poland and the European Union didn't meet their demands. On March 1, farmers also plan to block the border with Lithuania. Protest co-organizer Karolis Pechinskins said they would stop Ukrainian grain and agricultural productions at Budzisko. The head of the Lithuania Association of Grain Producers, Auschris Matsijauskas, said that the biggest problem for Lithuanian farmers is Russian grain, adding that area farmers have assured the organization they won't participate in the blockade. Polish Prime Minister Donald Tusk said that if relations between Ukraine and Poland crumble, it will be, quote, the biggest idiocy in history. With tensions growing and clear evidence that the border protests are part of a Russian hybrid warfare campaign, the Minister of Agriculture of Latvia, Armands Krause, demanded that Russian grain imports into the EU be stopped. Quote, Everything that is imported from Russia can be imported from Ukraine. And in this way, we will support Ukraine and not help Russia feed its war machine. Unquote. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers and analysts is funded by readers, listeners and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at malcontentnews. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Here is my theater-wide update. The Minister of Strategic Industries of Ukraine, Oleksandr Komishin, said that Ukraine was now able to match Russia's production capacity of one-way strike drones with similar capabilities to the Iranian Sol Shahed-136. Quote, As of this year, our ability to produce such drones is no longer inferior, both in terms of the amount of explosives they carry and in terms of range and other technical parameters. Unquote. President of Ukraine Volodymyr Zelensky attended the Paris summit to identify how Europe can strengthen the defense of Ukraine. As part of the meeting, Zelensky said he spoke with French President Emmanuel Macron about receiving Mirage 2000 multi-role fighters. Approximately 20 nations attended, reportedly including representatives from Canada and the United States. Zelensky reiterated that of the 1 million artillery shells Europe promised to deliver by the end of March 2024, only 300,000 have been received. 
the EU vowed that another 170,000 to 190,000 rounds would be delivered by the end of March. There were numerous reports that the summit discussed sending European or NATO troops into Ukraine, including a story in the New York Times. The rumor appears to have started with an awkward quote from President Macron and a claim by Prime Minister of Slovakia Robert Fico. All claims were denied by European and North American government officials. After the meeting, Polish Prime Minister Donald Tusk said, quote, There is no reason why rich countries like the West, like NATO members' countries, together should not be able to create a defensive capability that exceeds Russian capabilities. Unquote. Well, there is one reason – a lack of political will. Major General Vadim Skibitsky, with Ukrainian intelligence, said that Russia has a target to produce 2.7 million artillery rounds in 2024. Last year, Russia is believed to have produced 2,122,000 and 152mm artillery rounds. He added that Russia had already removed all available ammunition from Belarus and had received up to 1.5 million rounds from North Korea. The Russian chief of staff and commander of Russian forces in Ukraine, Valery Gerasimov, allegedly traveled to occupied Ukraine. The video showed a meeting with the commander of the 58th Combined Arms Army, but was carefully edited to prevent geolocation. President Zelensky signed into law the demobilization of conscripts. The last conscription was in late 2021, and under Ukrainian law, the soldiers can't be released while under martial law. Those who have completed their obligations but want to stay in the military can sign new contracts, while the rest will be released from service. Those who elect to leave will receive a 12-month deferment before they can be mobilized. Initially, conscripts couldn't even fight in the front lines, even if they volunteered, but the law was adjusted in 2023. The head of the Ministry of Internal Affairs of Ukraine, Igor Klimenko, announced that volunteers fighting in the Foreign Legion and their family members could obtain Ukrainian citizenship. In the interview with US news agency CNN, Zelensky said that Ukraine will not be ready to defend itself without additional support from the United States. He stated that Kyiv had created two plans, one with and without further aid. Quote, if Ukraine does not receive aid, then we will have to focus only on defense. Unquote. Germany announced a new military aid package for Ukraine. We have more detailed information in our daily situation report with link in the podcast description. Denmark announced its 13th military aid package to Ukraine, which includes unspecified ammunition, 80 BMP 2 infantry fighting vehicles, and 10 T 72 main battle tanks. France committed to providing 250,000 one-way drones to Ukraine by the end of 2024. The UAVs are equipped with fragmentation warheads, are fully autonomous, and use AI for targeting. The Parliament of Hungary ratified Sweden's accession to NATO in a vote of 188 for and 6 against. This ends an almost two-year journey for Stockholm after Turkey delayed the application. The final step will be the approval by Tamás Schulok, the new president of Hungary, who was appointed after a scandal brought down Katalin Novak. It's a political blow to Russian President Vladimir Putin, who claimed a key reason to expand the war against Ukraine was to prevent the further expansion of NATO. 
When Finland joined the alliance on April 4, 2023, the length of Russia's border with the alliance doubled. Additionally, the Baltic Sea, which provides access to St. Petersburg, Russia, is now flanked by NATO countries on all sides. The far-right candidate for Prime Minister of the Netherlands, Geert Wilders, has not been able to build a coalition government. In a possible attempt to win over support, he announced that he would support continued aid to Ukraine after vowing to block all future support as part of his election platform. The High Representative of the Union for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy of the EU, Josep Borrell, said that Ukraine could face defeat in the coming months. Quote, it's time for Europe to wake up and realize what a dangerous world it exists in and increase support for Ukraine. Unquote. British Foreign Minister David Cameron also called for more aid from the EU and the US. Quote, there are many positive changes, but have we done enough together? No. Ukraine does not have enough missiles. Ukraine needs the support of the United States. Ukraine needs more funding, as well as weapons. Therefore, we must be true to what we said. Unquote. It appears unlikely the U.S. Congress will pass a supplemental spending bill in the near future. Washington returns from a 13-day recess today and is facing a partial government shutdown that will start on March the 2nd. While Speaker of the House Mike Johnson said he opposes a government shutdown, it is more likely another continuing resolution will be passed. By the time you listen to this, President Joe Biden will have held an emergency meeting with Speaker Johnson and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries to try and get aid for Ukraine passed by the House. All aboard, we are headed to the land of Mobix, mobilization and mir. Russian President Putin signed a decree undoing military reforms done in 2010, dissolving the Western Military District and restoring the Leningrad and Moscow Military Districts. The unrecognized and illegally annexed territories of Ukraine – Luhansk, Donetsk, Zaporizhia, Kherson Oblasts and Crimea – were integrated into the Southern Military District. It is unclear if this decree will impact how Russian soldiers are paid and the deployment of conscripts into the occupied territories. Russian soldier Dmitry Nikitin learned the hard way why you shouldn't do social media on the front lines. While walking to a forward position and explaining that Russian commanders no longer send vehicles because it's cheaper to be carried by hand, the squad was hit by a drone. Nikitin was wounded badly enough to land in a hospital, and yes, we link to the ironic video in our situation report. Putin's purge continues to push Russia back to the age of Stalin. The Ministry of Justice announced plans to start building penal colonies in Russia that would house, quote, integrated groups of prisoners. There's another word for that, it's called a gulag. The idea was presented to Putin in 2023 by Minister of Justice Konstantin Chuchenko. The first facility will be built in the Kaluga region and house 3,000 prisoners. Chuchenko believes the return to gulags will pay for itself within a decade between reduced costs of managing convicts in penal institutions and profits from forced labor. 
the body of Russian political prisoner Alexei Navalny was returned to his mother, and a funeral is planned for February the 29th. The head of the main defense intelligence directorate of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine, Kirill Budanov, said that Navalny died of natural causes. Quote, what we know is that he really died from a blood clot. And this is more or less confirmed. This is not taken from the internet, but unfortunately natural. Unquote. The Federal Security Service of Russia arrested oligarch Yuri Antipov and charged him with fraud. Additionally, the prosecutor general's office approved the transfer of the Chelyabinsk electrometallurgical plant to state control. Antipov is accused of illegally privatization of the factory because it is part of the military-industrial complex. It is also alleged he gave customers in the United States preferential pricing. Chelyabinsk is the largest producer of steel and iron products in Russia and was unique because it had the right to produce under its own brand. The plant was privatized in the 1990s. The actions further reinforce that no one, not even oligarchs with a net worth of $700 million, is immune from actions by the state. Journalist Oleg Arlov of Mediapart magazine was sentenced to two years and 11 months in prison for repeatedly discrediting the army. He had been administratively punished last year and fined 150,000 rubles before new charges were filed. During his sentencing, Arlov appealed to the judge, quote, Aren't you scared? Aren't you scared about what's happening to the country? Aren't you afraid that not only you, but also your children will live in this dystopia? Unquote. And that's what we know. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers and analysts is funded by readers, listeners and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News.